We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. And Mile High Hello, everybody in Broncos country. Welcome into another episode of the Dove Valley Deep Divers podcast. I am your host, Lance Sanderson, and joining me as per usual is my good friend and colleague. He is Mile High Hello senior NFL draft analyst, the one and only Eric Trickle. Now, man, do we have to talk about the Chiefs game? Like, is that something we actually have to dive into? Because I'm tired of talking bad about this team, and it's going to be rough, quite honestly. I'm predicting a blowout if we're going to be honest here, but it's always good to be here with my buddy, Eric and our good friend, Scott. What's going on, Eric? How are we doing today? Doing good. Um, my thing is, is not, do we have to talk about the chiefs, but can we shift to the draft? Like I've been really doing a lot of work diving into that and barely been watching the upcoming games. So it's kind of why this week we went away from our usual, you know, game preview that we've been doing. I mean, last week was the first week I didn't do my game preview article. Just because how many times can you say the same thing over and over again? It's always, oh, the Broncos can do this, but will they? And the answer is no, and it's been consistently no this season, but it's still, they have that potential. It's will they reach it? And so it was getting boring doing that. So instead, we're going to dive into all the juicy little rumor rumors that we're flying about and the information dumps and leaks and everything that involved the Broncos and just get around talking about that. Yeah, and they're way more fun to discuss right now because, quite honestly, well, the NFL draft would be a lot more fun to discuss. I know you're getting into your your scouting reports and everything like that, and and doing uh, your your finalizing of just your list. What is it, a thousand, twelve hundred strong, something like that, that you've got just for guys that you have to maybe at least take a look at coming up to this season. So I know you're I know you're working hard on that, but it's going to be fun to kind of dive into all the rest of this juicy stuff here as well. Yeah, it starts off about a thousand, twelve hundred players or so, and then it gets narrowed down to about five to six hundred. You know, there's certain you know statistical requirements that players have to meet. Obviously, if you're a senior backup quarterback that's never played, I can't watch you. I'm not going to watch you. Some smaller school guys, if I can't get tape on them, even if they're bigger guys, they end up coming off the list because again, I'm unable to watch them. So there's a lot of ways that it just gets narrowed down. It's a long process that starts in July. 
and then it's just ongoing throughout the season and you know having to keep track at this time of year who's declaring who's returning who's transferring updating all my scouting lists for that and it's just again it's a long process that takes year year round essentially especially when you don't have the resources that nfl teams have when it comes to this yeah it's when you're doing this stuff by yourself like for me i last year i, I watched 275 i think is what i had and i'd finalized grades on just shy of 200 players that's the most i've ever done and that's like that that work alone was ridiculously hard to do and eric does this year round that's like literally what he like prides his whole life and joy on is is watching these players i'm so excited to get into this and i, I want to talk about the draft and everything that we have coming up for this broncos team uh how do we fix this like th this is a this is a stepping point right now for this Broncos team. They're eliminated from the playoffs, essentially. I, I believe it's like fully mathematically they're eliminated from the playoffs. We've got to figure out what's going on from the top down. The general manager, George Payton, is his job safe? Is head coach Nathaniel Hackett's job safe? What about Russell Wilson? How do you move on from his contract potentially? Is he going to be around here for the long term? And how do you fix this moving forward? Because if everything changes from the top down going into 2023, we're not talking about playoffs for the Broncos next year either. So this this right here where we're at is probably the most interesting it's going to get for Broncos fans over the next year for the most part. But before we get into breaking down all that stuff, well, let's go ahead, Eric. Real quick, I just want to say is Denver is not officially eliminated from the playoffs. They can still make it. They'd have to win out and get a lot of help. But there's only two teams currently eliminated from the playoffs, the Houston Texans and the Chicago Bears. Yeah. It, like, it doesn't really matter, though. Like, the Broncos winning out in and of itself is just a, an incredible task. When you've got the Chiefs twice, you're going to get the Chargers again. Um, and as much as everyone likes to talk trash on the, the Los Angeles Rams right now, you've got those guys, and you also still have the Arizona Cardinals on the docket. Like, it doesn't get any easier for this Broncos team. And if they were had any hopes of making the playoffs, they needed to win all those games earlier this season, the winnable games specifically towards the front half of this season. All right, before we get into this, though, guys, we're going to say hello to everybody. Mike S. in the in the chat. Diamond Rattler just jumped in here. Chronic's up in the house. Jay Coe's out as well. We got Ample Scramble in the house. Peter Middleton doing his thing out in Cambodia. You know, we got uh, Brad D. in the hizzy. Desert Creature. Mark Lindemood. What's going on, everybody? And thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. We really do appreciate you guys for joining us here every single Friday. Now, Eric, the... I don't want to start with George Payton because I think that that's a, a secondary conversation here. Let's start at the top of the coaching staff, though. With Nathaniel Hackett and the, the miscues of this season, the failures to adjust, the failures to maximize the players that he does currently have, even with all the injuries, you still have to be a quality coach to get the most out of your players here. Is there really anything that he can do at this particular point to save his job other than winning out? Like, you have to win out. That's what the conversation starts, is it not? No, not even winning out. I don't think that saves Nathaniel Hackett. I think that's it for him. I, I think that he's going to be one and done as a head coach. Um, all the conversations that I do get about the coaching position is talking about what they're going to be looking for in the next guy. Experience on the offensive side of the ball, experience play caller, either at offensive coordinator or at head coach. They're, they want experience there, somebody with a playbook, somebody that could try and rein in Russ. The big name are those guys that, you know, are going to end up being yes men to Russell Wilson as they were in Seattle 
in Schottenheimer and uh, there uh, and Bevel, and it's just you know it's just continuing to follow this flaw that you have this year of just letting Russell Wilson have his way. But that's not the conversation. That's not that's a different conversation for a different time. Nathaniel Hackett is gone. Um, he hasn't lost the locker room. I know a lot of people want to talk about the locker room after every single blowout loss. They want to talk about how he's lost the locker room. He hasn't. Like there are the players have bought into what he wants to do. He isn't the issue in the locker room. We've talked about this before. You know, there was that report come out that from who was it? Jesse Palmer, I think it was that that came out and was talking about how the bigger issue in the locker room is Russell Wilson. There's a lot of truth to that. It's a bit more Russell Wilson than Nathaniel Hackett, but it's not going to be enough to save his job. George Payton's on the hot seat. We've talked about that. Three some of the rumors that came out were about George Payton possibly being fired after the season. It sounds like that the um, new ownership, they want to move on from the, the head coach, that they've wanted to move on from the head coach for a while. I expect Nathaniel Hackett to get the season, and then come January 9th, there goes Nathaniel Hackett. We'll be getting the news that he's fired. And that's unfortunate. Uh, I was super optimistic with Nathaniel Hackett coming in here as the head coach. Um, with, with the the offensive mind that he brings, the energy he brings, it was such a, a stark contrast with what the Broncos had in Vic Fangio and even with Vance Joseph. And Vance was a, a bright and bubbly guy. You just could tell that he was in way over his head. Uh, Vic Fangio, you just – it wasn't that he didn't necessarily know what he was doing. Like I, I think that there was a lot of high qualities of what he did stabilizing uh, the locker room there. There was also some driving forces that he had in there to – destabilize the locker room, especially down the stretch. I mean, look at one Shelby Harris there for a prime example. Um, the treatment of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater is another another prime example. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. No, no. The treatment of Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, that's all fan created. That didn't actually cause issues in the locker room. Like, I know that there's going to be people in the chat that come into and talk about how Vic Fangio hated Drew Locke. No, he just thought Drew Locke was a bad quarterback. That that's the that was the issue. It was fan made. It wasn't issues right. in the locker room. Like there were other issues in the locker room with Vic Fangio, whereas the defense essentially mutinied against him. 
but the quarterback position last year that had nothing there there's no there's no truth to any of that right I, I guess that's a, a, a good clarifying point there. And I do apologize for kind of misspeaking. That is more of what I was getting at was just the, the, the conversation surrounding Drew Locke. And there was some fractures in there a little bit for, for what was going on with that. And you're probably right. It was mostly fan created and stuff like that. Regardless, when, when, you're, when you're talking about with what Nathaniel Hackett has and the disaster it's been, you almost need to try to find the most stabilizing uh, resource that you possibly can. And I want to go to a comment here from... Uh, it was, uh, dang it, where's it at? Ample scramble here saying uh, that everyone was ready to throw Dan Campbell under the bus in Detroit, but he learned on the fly. I, The one thing that I, I want to say about Dan Campbell was that he's a guy, much like Dan Quinn, that those players, you can question the coaching acumen of Dan Campbell all you want to. Those players want to die for him. Like they, with the whole bite your kneecaps off, we're going to come back and bite another kneecap off. You're never going to knock us down. That has resonated in that locker room and has turned the culture around. Where the Broncos are at right now, is it wrong of me to assume that somebody like a Dan Campbell, a guy that is that raw, raw, we're going to get everybody to rally around this guy and not just be like the players friendly guy. Like I'm going to be a disciplinarian like a Dan Campbell or like a Dan Quinn. Is that the proper direction to go in this particular situation? Well, first off, I want, I just want to say is that nobody really was ready to throw Dan Campbell under the bus. They knew the situation he was going into in Detroit and they knew that it was going to be a while before they got any results. Jared Goff is what he is. He's a good game managing quarterback. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and consistently win you games. Like, so there's, you know, th there's a there's a difference there between, you know, a Jared Goff-led team and the team where you go out, go big, and get Russell Wilson. And granted, Russell Wilson's been playing a crap ton worse than Jared Goff has been. But the expectations of the roster are completely different. Dan Campbell's having to basically completely rebuild that defense. The offensive line has, has a tremendous amount of investment into it, as does the off good portion of the offense in general. But it was still a situation of they had no defense. He had to go in there and he had to, had to build that up. Had to completely change the culture in there as well. And while Denver has a losing culture, it wasn't this. It wasn't even close to the same kind of culture and losing culture that they had in Detroit. So not quite the same situation there. And um, but as for your question, is Denver does need somebody like that. They need they need one of those guys that he can be player friendly, but not a complete doormat like we have in. Nathaniel Hackett, somebody who's going to step up and be like and hold the players accountable instead of relying on the players to hold themselves accountable. That doesn't happen often. Like, especially when you get to the NFL, they would they will point fingers in a lot of ways. NFL players are like children when it comes to that. It's their fault, not mine. And we've had it's been leaked out into the media either through you know anonymous sources or players coming out and speaking on it directly. They will rather point fingers and look at look at the mirror. Or look at themselves in the mirror and they may say the right things but their actions speak louder than words so denver needs somebody that a coach that will come in there and i know a lot of people get up in arms about oh this coach said this about this player he threw him under the bus no he's holding him accountable he's showing the rest of the locker room that if you mess up i will get up here i will mention you by name about how you messed up it's like the whole thing with nick benito i did an article about it Ed, um evero came out and made a comment about how he's developing nicely he's coming along but he still has everything that he has to work on and he has to improve all around. Like that is a great mess, great shot across the bow of 
Nick Benito. There's a lot of questions about his work ethic and all that coming across. And well, here Evro just said, step up, improve, or else. And so Denver needs that kind of coach at, in the head coaching position. So uh, first things first, yes, I am losing my voice to this Facebook user. Um, I've been dealing with the flu for the last two weeks. I do apologize for that, guys. And I'm um, also kind of still having some internet issues on my end here. Um, Eric, you're, you're choppy, but I mo heard mostly what you said. Uh, the, the one question I have to, to kind of piggyback off of that is uh, with, uh, with, with, with Nathaniel Hackett obviously on his way out. And Dan Quinn is probably the first name that jumps to mind for a, a coach that is kind of like that Dan Campbell, the the, the one that's going to hold the players accountable and uh, and things like that. Are there any other names in this coaching cycle that could potentially be that kind of a voice for this Broncos team? Real quick, I want to grab this comment from Diamond Rider. said, heard today that Peyton only hired Hackett because there's a handshake deal in place for Rodgers to come if Hackett was hired. That's not true. It's completely bogus. I don't know where that started. It's been going around for a while. It's not true. Like they through back channels, through you know, illegal tampering that happens every year by every single team, they they knew that either way, Wilson or Rogers, Hackett was fine. Like they knew that. It wasn't because there was a handshake deal in place for Rogers to come. That that wasn't true. Like they had by the time they hired Hackett, they had a good idea that Rogers was going back to Green Bay. Um, they just just in case they did that. Not true. I mean, the bigger reason why they hired him is that basically he was a doormat. He was super player friendly and the complete opposite and an offensive mind, the complete opposite of what Vic Fangio was. Anyways, as for other head coaches that are like that, um, Frank Reich is one that comes to mind and he's one that's getting pretty popular. Um, from what I understand, though, that not so much a head coach, but if they want to go with a, a defensive coordinator like, you know, Evro, he's getting a lot of hype out there. Um, Jonathan Gannon, he's another one that I guess he supposedly he interviewed really well last year. Um, according to some reports, other people that I've spoken with said that his interview wasn't that great, like good, just not great. Um, he's going to be on, he's going to be on there on the coaching list this year. Again, I would bet my ass on it really. So he, he's, he's one of those guys to look at Frank Reich is to come in and be in the offensive coordinator, you know, that veteran play caller I mentioned earlier in the show. And the only way I think they go with a defensive mind or inexperienced head coach is if, you know, Frank Reich is the guy that they're bringing and not the offensive coordinator. Otherwise than that, I don't expect them to go with a young, up-and-coming, inexperienced offensive mind head coach. I I would really like to see it, uh, Shane Steichen come in here, just with the, yeah. the work that he was able to do well, with, uh, um, with, with Jalen Hurts and changing that offense around. After Nick Sirianni gave up play calling and turned it over to Shane Steichen, you saw a more – a more aptitude from that offense to to change up what they were doing to really suit what Jalen Hurts has done has like does as a player. Yeah. And look at what it's look at what it's translated to over the last course of the season. I mean, the Eagles right now they're what ten and two. They're leading the NFC. They're like the favorites to go to the Super Bowl and and represent the NFC this season. So Shane Steichen is a guy that I really want to see being a guy brought in here. And if they bring in Frank Reich with that as the offensive coordinator then I, I think that that would be a, a solid move for the Broncos to do. Uh, but, we got uh, – go ahead, Eric, sorry. I was going to say, before we – there's one thing I got to point on that, but before we get to that, Gary Palmer came out with a $4.99 donation saying, good evening, Lance, Eric, and Scott. Just a little love. Love you, Broncos country. Hey, Gary, it's love great you to see you here. Gary. Thank you for the donation. We appreciate that. Um, hope you're having a great holiday season. And, and, you know, 
Shane Steichen is one of my favorite coaching candidates. He's in my top five. I like what he's done as a play caller. I know that some on not not to name names, but others on other huddle mile high huddle podcast hosts have mentioned him a question about what he does with the offense and everything. Well, he's the play caller. He has been for over a year now. And this offseason, they um the head coach, um, Sirianni has essentially handed the offense completely over to Steichen. Sirianni's still involved, you know, in the game planning, as head coaches are, no matter what side of the ball, offensive minded head coaches still have his hand in making the defensive game plans and you know, often they're part of all of it, but it's, it's Shane Steichen's offense. And so that is some, that is something to see, but it's just the fact that I would like to see it. He has more experience as an offensive play caller than Nathaniel Hackett does. But I, again, it comes back to the experience. The same thing with Ben Johnson out of Detroit. He's another one of my guys that I really like. I heard a lot of, lot of positive things about him as a head coaching candidate, but it's just, Everything I've heard coming out of Denver, Denver is they want an experienced head coach, somebody who has been a head coach before, and I just go away from them. And then you mentioned Frank Reich as their offensive coordinator, um, Steichen, Ben Johnson. Yeah, I don't think Frank Reich's their head, Frank Reich will be their offensive coordinator. Um, it'll be somebody that they're familiar with, probably on the staff that they're on already. Um, uh, they're out of Philadelphia or Detroit, Detroit, where the the two teams are with right now, and you know installing their offense. Not we're going to be the head coach and Frank Reich is, and that's a bit of an that's you know that can be an issue. It works out for some, for some others it doesn't. It's just you know kind of how it is, and it's one reason why I prefer a CEO type head coach more than a, um, you know, a guy who wants to run his thing on whatever side of the ball. Right. Right. And, and I'm right there with you. And that's that's why my preferred candidate last year was the, the Dan Quinn type, a, a guy that could bring in um, somebody that, you know, would, would like here, I'm going to bring in a guy that has the offense and I'm just going to oversee a little bit. And then there's you've got the, the defensive coordinator to bring in. And I think that with what the Broncos are doing right now, especially on the defensive side of the football with the Giro Evero running a lot of cover one, cover three stuff. And Dan Quinn's doing some more uh, double high safeties and stuff like that. In, in Dallas this year, but like primarily what Dan Quinn used to do as a, a defensive coordinator, that same style of defense is what Ajiro Evero is running with the coverage front that the Broncos have right now. So to me, if you can somehow find a way to keep Ajiro Evero, bring in Dan Quinn and let Dan Quinn have it, uh, have his pick of, a, of an offensive coordinator, a guy that he's worked with. I know that you're not the biggest Brian Schottenheimer fan, but to me, I mean. No, he's a yes man to Russell Wilson. Yes, and that there's there's a there's a definitely that part of it, and there's going to be some accountability issues there. But the last time we saw Brian Schottenheimer and Russell Wilson working together, Russell Wilson was an MVP candidate. That was 2020. He, I mean, he threw he threw uh, what 40 touchdowns that season. So uh, we see the success there if it's going to work the way that uh, you can't call it, somebody who's never had an MVP vote an MVP candidate. He He's was, never had one. Well, he should have he should have had an MVP vote that season. And, and Lamar Jackson doing what he did, rushing for a thousand yards, throwing for four thousand yards on top of that. Like there's there's definitely an argument to have there for sure that Russell Wilson deserved to have an MVP vote for what that team was that season, especially with the offensive line issues they had. But there is something else you also have to take into consideration here with this Broncos team right now, and it's the personnel. And it's not necessarily the offensive line personnel, because I think the Broncos offensive line, even with the with the injuries that they have right now, 
is a significantly better than what Russell Wilson has had in Seattle for a long time. The thing is, you don't have the same guys. Like you don't have a Tyler Lockett or a DK Metcalf, the guys that can stretch the field, run that deep over in the deep post, the, the, the same concepts that you had in Seattle with a Brian Schottenheimer. You don't have those guys in Denver right now. You know, like the you, you could you could try to run KJ Hamler like you like you run a, a Tyler Lockett. It's just not gonna work. Tyler Lockett was a much more aggressive receiver at the catch point than KJ Hamler has ever been in his entire life. Cortland Sutton is no DK Metcalf. He's not running a four, three, eight or whatever the hell DK Metcalf ran with that big body, with that possession receiver skill set that a DK Metcalf has. There, like, there's a significant difference with what those guys are. And I think that Broncos country and myself included really kind of overestimated what this Broncos receiving core was in terms of comparing them to what the, what the Seattle Seahawks did in, in up there with Russell Wilson back in 2020 and 2021. There's just, it's, so it's comparing apples to apples, but also apples to oranges based on the skill sets of the players that the Broncos have right now. So I'm going to poke a lot of holes in your argument here. Uh, it's always been Pete Carroll's offense. We haven't seen Brian Schottenheimer's or Bevel's offense. It's been Pete Carroll's. They've just been in charge of running it. I mean, we saw Bevel in other places, you know. But in Seattle, it was Pete Carroll. Like, it was his offense. They just called the plays. Um, It, it was, I mean, it's as, it's as simple as that. Like, and yeah, I mean, 2020 was a good season for Russ Wilson. I, I will disagree with you wholeheartedly that he deserved an MVP, MVP vote that year. Um, But you know, that's neither here nor there. Um, that's not a big point, really, of emphasis. But again, it's the whole thing of it's Pete Carroll's offense. These guys are yes men to Russell Wilson. That's why I saw somebody post in the chat that Pete Carroll wanted Schottenheimer fired in Seattle. That isn't accurate. He didn't want him fired. The, Seattle wanted him fired and moved on. And that is where the contention of him of Russell Wilson wanting to say in the offensive play caller, that's where that came. Is it started from Schottenheimer didn't want him fired? Well, they fired him anyways. Um, so you're just getting you. You don't want to enable him by putting people around him. He had a his 2020 season was good, but they were still using him in a way that could be effective for it. You know, using those rollouts, getting him out in space. You know, covering up for a bad offensive line. And at the time, he was still able to do enough with his legs to it. He doesn't have that anymore. We have watched him fail at rollout plays, and not just because of his legs, but because of his whole body just isn't what it used to be. He's not whipping his head around to get his eyes on that defender. Defenders don't respect his legs anymore, which they started to lose in that 2020 season. It's where, you know, when he did struggle, that is why. So he's not the same quarterback he was. So you can't put in that same offense and expect him to turn it around. So my my whole issue with this is I don't like Brian Schottenheimer as a coach. I don't like Bevel as a, as a coach. I don't think they're good. Um, I think that they got I think that they got covered up a lot by what Russell Wilson could do when he actually still had you know his legs at at their max essentially. And, you know, he wasn't as battered as he is now. I mean, taking all those hits, even though he never missed a game until last year, he took a lot of hits. And that adds up on on your body. It's the, you, you can't have somebody that's going to sit there and just cave to Russell Wilson and, being, and let him do what he wants to do on offense. That's the bigger issue with it. And then you made a comment about Dan Quinn with Evro. If you bring Dan Quinn, Evro's gone. Like, 
plain and simple. Dan Quinn's going to, he's not going to keep Evero around and Evero's not going to want to stay for him. While they both run a lot of cover three, cover one coverages, their usage up front is completely different. And that's how that changes stuff with how they do with their coverages. It's essentially a, it's going to lead to a butting of heads there. And one of the two is going to cave. And with what we've seen from Evero, he's not going to be the one to cave and neither is Dan Quinn. So I would rather see them go with a, a different defensive mind, one that has a little bit more similarities to what Evero wants to do if they want to keep Evero or just make Evero the head coach in this instance and go that way if you want to keep Evero around. If you don't, then go get Dan Quinn. Go get that veteran guy that players respect, that he's going to hold players accountable, that you're going to get it. But the issue with Quinn is that offensive coordinator. So all the all the options Denver has at coach is going to be problematic because the quarterback situation is problematic. I know that there's a lot of talk about potentially, you know, post-June 1st cutting him this year, and that's going to be extremely rough to do. It's, I mean, you're splitting up, what is it, $107 over two years? Like, it's rough to do. It's rough to move on from him. I think post-June 1st in 2024 is it. I would just, like, I don't know where where you go to fix it when it comes to the coaching situation because they're going to sit there. My fear is George Payton, in an attempt to save his job, is going to go all out on building everything around Russell Wilson, only to be let down by Russell Wilson once again. So, what's what's your first step? If you had a five step plan to, I run it re- back. I run it yeah. back in twenty twenty three. I don't care if it's a tough sell to fans. I run it back, and then in twenty twenty four, you start fresh. New general manager, new head coach, new quarterback. You are starting completely over. That is what I would do. I think it's better for the short term because then if Russell Wilson fails, well, congratulations. You played yourself into freaking Caleb Williams most likely. Yeah. Like you can sit here in 2024, a lot of big contracts come off. So you can go out there and you can refresh um, by running it back. You can franchise tag Draymond Jones for the year. Not going to make him super happy, but congratulations. You bought yourself another year to where you can give him that big extension and see if he if is able to play more consistent throughout the season to earn that big contract completely. So I know it's not going to happen, but running it back is from every way I look at this, running it back is the best option for the short term and the long term. I, I tend to agree with you on that. And the reason why I say that is everything you pretty much just said looking forward to 2024 when you finally have draft capital back in your pocket and you're you're looking at being able to actually rebuild with what you have right now with russell wilson the cap hit and everything like that it's hard to move on from him right now it's it's so hard to do that unless you're willing to eat 107 million dollars over the next two seasons which i mean hey there's there's some plus minus to that as well you can you can move on from guys like ronald darby uh get garen bowles to restructure justin simmons to restructure tim patrick you can move on from him like there's there's a way you could work around that salary cap hit and try to start that rebuild following the 2023 season oh yeah it's easy get rid of ronald darby get rid of graham glasgow move on from garrett bowles potentially look at trading Cortland sutton or tim patrick like jerry judy like basically is if you want to do it now in 2023 there are so many moves you can make to you know eat the dead cap hit and it's going to suck because it's going to set you back two years yep but go out there roll honestly roll out brett ripping for a season like play for that high pick in 2024 then if you're going to rebuild and like 
And it's just that my whole my frustration with this whole situation is there's obvious ways that Denver can get out of this, but they're not going to take it because of what they gave up for Russell Wilson. They don't want to give up on it after a year. Yeah. And they can. Like, yes, it's a big cap hit, but there are other veterans that you can move on from. Ronald Darby's has only played one full season. He got that big three-year, $30 million contract from George Payton for it. Yep. Like, move on from him. Um, just blow it up and start over either this year and, you know, then go get a new general manager, go get a new coach, go get a new quarterback or roll it back with Brett Rippon or do it in 2024, whatever it is, the best option for the long-term of, um, situation of this team is you get everyone on the same timeline, because when you have a general manager in place, a lot of these young coaches who want to bring a guy they're comfortable with in the front office, well, you can't do that anymore. That's why Brian Dabble rolled out the Broncos right away. He wanted to bring the guy from the bills with him, which is why, why he ended up in the, with the giants. Yep. Like that's what you, that's what you have to do is you have them have to have them on the same timeline. And more and more that's been, that's been a trend that the NFL has been heading towards. And it's a, it's a good trend to have because then yep. you can hold, you got to need your coach in your front office. They need to work in unison together. And if they're both failing or if one fails, it's going to be hard, be hard to cover up for the other one for the most part. And it also gets the quarterback on the same timeline as well. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Lenars jumping in here with a $5 super chat saying, uh, Luke, I'm sorry if I miss it, but do you have a response to Benjamin Albright? Um, so this is definitely like deep divers. That show uh, was on Wednesday night and he did address that. So make sure you go to Mile High Huddle's YouTube page. Um, go check that out. Uh, I, I'm not sure exactly what your comment with Benjamin Albright is. So come back in the chat and maybe I'll have a response for you on that one. But uh, we do apologize. And thank you, Joseph, for joining us tonight. We do appreciate that. And thank you for the donation. And we, we do appreciate you for that as well. Um, the, the, the one thing that you have to kind of take into consideration if you're going to try to blow everything up is what does the locker room do? Like you're talking about moving Who on. Who cares? Like, but I, I, Who cares what the locker room is going to do at this point? Well, there, there is, there is, there is a, there is a, a point to this though, Eric. And I, and I'm, I, I hope you let me express it here really fast. You're, you're talking about moving on from the, the natural leaders, the Colton Suttons, Tim Patrick's, the uh, uh, Glasgow, Garrett Bowles, Justin Simmons, like uh, all of those big time guys that you have right now, the big time leaders in the locker room, you're losing, you're moving on from those guys. You don't have Draymond Jones under contract right now. So you got to figure that one out. Does he actually resign? Passer 10, he's only going to get older. And is he going to resign with this team? Uh, Damari Mathis, by the time that it comes around to where he's going to have to resign, you're still looking at a rebuild with Caleb Williams in 2025. Is Damari Mathis going to stick around? Uh, Quinn Miners, you've got Jerry Judy, KJ Hamler. If they're not already gone, like you're talking about completely restructuring this roster from the all the way from the top down with nothing to build it with. You got five draft picks in 2023. That's it. You have no capital. You're not going to have any money to rebuild this thing. You're barely even going to be able to fill the roster at that particular point. Now, I'm, I'm going extreme here, and I understand that. And I'm just, I just, I want to bring out both sides of this because I heard this conversation uh, earlier today. There's ben Al- Benjamin Albright, Ryan Edwards, and Zach Seegers were talking about this exact same thing. And Eric, and you, you and actually Zach were on the same page here. Just blow it up and start over right now. Like, why the hell not? There's, there's a way out. You can do it. It's going to suck for two years. But what after that two years, if you, if you don't have a roster to build, what, like, where are you going to start? Is it like, you're going to start off with a brand new franchise starting over from zero with Caleb Williams. And that's it. There's, there's nothing around. It's a bare bones, bare studs, 
nothing here. You're talking about if this actually happens, if they clear out the losing culture, as as Paul jumps in here, clear out the losing culture, get everyone out of here, start off with the studs. If you take Caleb Williams in 2024, there's nothing to build with him, and then you're moving on from him anyways. Like it's it, there's there's so many different ways to attack this, and I agree. I, I think that this is probably the best situation is if they do do that. I, I think that's a great idea, but. There is the other side of this conversation that we need to address here. I mean, except that you don't have to clear out everybody in the locker room. You don't have you don't have to completely tear everything down. And even if even if you do, so what? So what? Justin Simmons, like Justin Simmons, is a good safety. Mm-hmm. He's not great. Top so seven, what? maybe. Top seven, maybe. But let's be honest here. Top seven in the NFL, maybe. Yeah, he's a good safety. He's not great. And I know a lot of people are going to point to his two interception game. That's great. I mean, he has those games every now and then, but Mm -hmm. those are mixed in with a lot of bad games. So what? Patrick Stan, guess what? This is the second year of his deal. You have three more years of cost control for him, and then you have two more with the franchise tag. Draymond Jones, you mentioned him about how he's not under contract. Franchise tag him. Use that. You don't care about the locker room because the, lo- the the locker room is so used to losing. You cut that out and you start yep. over. Mm-hmm. And these guys who are in here, Cortland Sutton, how many times have we seen him quit on the team this year? Quit on the offense, give minimal effort. Like there were a couple, there were three or four weeks in a row that on Friday nights, I was sitting here ranting about how Cortland Sutton wasn't giving it. Jerry Judy, KG Amler, who cares? They can't stay on the field. Yes, they were a former first and second round pick. KJ Hamler was Vic Fangio's dude. Nobody could defend a guy that fat, small and that fast. That was the reasoning why Denver drafted KJ Hamler. He's played it. He, he'll have missed what? Out of 60 games or something like that, he'll have played 23? Because he's not expected back this season now, according to in a statement that he, well, with the wording in a statement he made, He's not expecting to come back with a hamstring injury. He got sidelined last year for a hamstring or as a rookie for a hamstring injury for eight weeks. Like Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick. Okay. Tim Patrick. Yes. Denver misses him this year. Does he change? Does he flip the record that much? Does he change the Broncos record this much? I say one or two win, one or two win difference at max, at max. And that's not even guaranteeing because the issues we have with Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. So I understand that you know cutting Russell Wilson when he only has a, when he has a small cap it I think it's like twenty two million or I think I know Scott posted in the private chat for a hundred and seven million dollar cap hit but the issue is, is that the following year if you don't cut him I think by the fourth fifth day of the new league year then you're guaranteeing his twenty twenty five contract which makes him a lot harder to cut from then after that mm-hmm. until after the twenty twenty five season yep. so it's a year of buying two years so you eat it this year you have your crappy season that you're crappy season to go all in when you get all that draft capital back to build around Caleb Williams when you get all this money back because guess what with just a handful of cuts Garrett Bulls, Ronald Darby Graham Glasgow and one other one oh and yeah no just those ones Garrett Bulls, Ronald Darby Graham Glasgow and of course Russell Wilson Denver can have over 30 million dollars on the salary cap next year in this offseason yep that's not handicapping your team that's not giving it to where you don't have money to go to go over it well, or and, to and, improve and, this and, roster so the arguments, the arguments that you made to stick with Russell Wilson, well, there's some valid points there. You don't have to go. You don't have to completely demolish the locker room, but you do need to. You need to attack the locker room because you need to attack the mentality that's in that locker room and yeah. the 
the mm-hmm. comfortness that they have with losing. Justin Simmons takes the mic and he talks about losing and how much it hurts. I don't feel it. I don't feel like he, like this is just my spec, my opinion here with how it went with unless I'm listen to him. I don't feel like he really actually cares about it. So blow it up, start over, start fresh, rebuild a locker room. If it takes two, three years, so what? Because if you don't move on within the next two years from Russell Wilson and you don't start doing this process anyways, then you're just prolonging it. I let me let me be clear here, Eric. I'm a hundred percent in agreement with you because I think that this needs to be blown up a hundred percent. Like I, I'm all the way here for this. And also, I mean, it, <coughs> excuse me, guys, I do apologize. Um, the uh, the big thing here is you're you're also going to be able to move on from some of those contracts via trade. Like you're gonna you're gonna take some dead money hit, and you're gonna have to move on from some of these players. Garrett Bowles is a, a left tackle, is a quality left tackle in the NFL. He's worth something. Justin Simmons, another player, probably worth something. Cortland Sutton, another quality player, probably worth something. You're going to get Tim Patrick in there, probably worth something. You're going to be able to move on from a lot of these guys. Graham Glasgow, if you're, you're you'll be lucky to get a six round pick for the guy. You're usually you're using that to get rid of some uh, uh, some money spaces. Is really what that's that's yeah. coming down to. Like, okay. I, I don't disagree with you on that. So let me let me just be clear here. Yeah. I just I, well, I feel like there there is a need to have some leadership in this room that has to be there now. And maybe like you said, getting those bad voices out. And I'm, I'm not really I don't want to say that bad voices. The the stagnant voices are probably the, the best way to say that. Von Miller is the, the prime example here. Von Miller being moved on from last year, a stagnant voice in the locker room. And the Broncos got something out of it, it helped him get Russell Wilson. You get rid of those players like that. It's going to help the culture of this team. And I, I, I'm firmly behind you with this. I believe that that is the proper way. Moving from Russell Wilson right now is the way to go. Yeah, real quick, I just want to grab this. Chronic says you can't dump Wilson this year. $77 million salary cap hit. You have to release a lot of players to get under the cap. No, you won't. Post-June first cut, you only have to cut Garrett Bowles, Ronald Darby, and Graham Glasgow, and you're good. And you're actually significantly in the positives for it. Um, so no, you don't have to, you don't have to release a lot of players for it with a post June first cap in this and cutting patch. And yes, this one too. Brandon McManus needs to go. I'm sorry. I love me some Brandon McManus. He's the longest tenured player on this team. The last remaining member of the Super Bowl 50 team. He needs to go. I, I, I firmly believe this. I think, I think Brandon McManus for what he is as a person, probably a decent guy off the field. What he is in this locker room is a freaking cancer. He wants way more responsibility for this team. He wants to have a lot of opportunities and he never pulls through in the clutch. He's declining as a kicker and he's overpriced. Sorry, Brandon. Love you, dude. You're awesome. Please leave this locker room because I believe you're a cancer in there. That's a hot so, take. Yeah. And I hope that people like shred me for it. Go ahead. That's a hot take. I'm sorry. I'm done with him. Done. I'll come back to Brandon Mattis here in a second. John Clover says, real chief fan in the house checking this week's competition. Why? Denver's bad. Like, <laughs> you don't need to check on us. You guys, the Chiefs should run away with this one pretty easily. Like the Broncos pass, the Broncos pass coverage has been not so good. I mean, statistically they're fine, but you know, the advanced metrics and everything are terrible ever since they traded away Bradley Chubb. They get no yep. pressure and it hurts the it's hurting players in the secondary, and the players in the secondary aren't holding up. The, the Chiefs should run away with this one. I know I picked Denver to win this one, as you know, the Chiefs could potentially overlook it, but guess what? I'm picking Denver every game this season, so next week I'll be picking Denver and the week after and so on and so forth. Um, anyways, as for Brandon McManus, the issue with him, and I don't think it's such a hot take to say that he should be gone, um, and the fact that I wouldn't say he'd call him a cancer in the locker room, 
but he's definitely he definitely doesn't help. He is a guy who last year threw a fit because Vic Fangio told him no to trying to go kick like a 70-yard field goal or whatever it was. And then he turns around and, you know, doormat Hackett comes in at week one and they're playing for a 64-yard game-winning field goal by Brandon McManus or 68, whatever it was, yard field goal by Brandon McManus and he fails. And it's happened consistently. He's not reliable beyond the 50 and yet he wants to go and constantly go try these guys. I'm sure Brandon McManus is a great dude. Uh, I'm sure he's super nice, but Brandon McManus, the football player, seems more about making himself look good. Um, and it's time that Denver, I mean, they got to rebuild their whole special teams unit, starting with the coordinator. Special teams doesn't get enough hate because they are bad. They are the worst special teams unit in the NFL this year, by far. Their punter sucks. He's had three and a half good games, I'd say, this season. Montreal Washington looks like still early. Not going to call him a for sure bust right now, but he doesn't look like, you know, as advertised as that fifth round pick. Maybe he can develop. Whatever the case is, Dwayne Stukes absolutely advocated for him. It was Dwayne Stukes' guy, and he sucks. He doesn't have any clue of when to return it, when to let it go. And, yes, there's been some bad luck on his part with the bounce of the ball. Not arguing that. But when you take those away, he's still terrible. The yeah. coverage units are terrible. The like the kickoff unit is – the kick return unit is terrible. Like, it's just absolutely garbage of a unit. Dwayne Stukes talking about coaches. That's where he has to go. Like he has to go. So just again, you know, rebuilding the whole locker room, rebuild special teams unit as well. Yeah. I want to grab this comment here from Taurus because uh, I've seen it a couple times here. Uh, Baker Mayfield shows you how important the system is. He was playing like garbage in Carolina all year. Then two days in a good system, he played way better than over half a year in a trash system. Um, I don't want to call you out here. I'm gonna a little bit here, but you also bring in something that I I, I do want to to like point to a, a bigger issue here with the Denver Broncos. Like you said, Baker Mayfield was in a system for two days. He was in the team's locker room for two days. He doesn't even know the offense. There's no chance he knows the offense. Not top to bottom. He goes out there and orchestrates a 98 yard touchdown drive to win the freaking game. Russell Wilson hasn't been in the goddamn end zone in three weeks, guys. Let, let, seriously, he has not scored a touchdown in three weeks. It's been bad. It's been awful. And it's and, it's frustrating. It's so frustrating because this 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 whole offense was built around Russell Wilson. It's his passing offense, guys. He's the one that orchestrated it. Him and Nathaniel Hackett combined together to create this passing offense. Tim Patrick called it a one and a one. Back in training camp, said it's the first time he's ever heard this verbiage. First time anyone, this is his offense. And he cannot figure out a way to incorporate it and use it the correct way. He cannot figure out how to read a defense. He cannot figure out how to play correctly on the field. Baker Mayfield went from Matt Rule, who was fired, got benched, transferred over to the, to the, the Los Angeles Rams and played it a game and won. And played well, mind you. He actually played fairly well. It's so Bad. So bad. It's embarrassing. It's flat out embarrassing to like, especially for me. I was the guy pounding for Russell Wilson. Like I pounded the table over. I was like, I don't want Aaron Rodgers. I don't want to draft. Give me Russell Wilson. Let's go. Let's have this. Let's have some fun here. And you are getting this right now. A guy that scored nine points. Three of them were gifted to him by the defense. They got eight yards. 
Justin Simmons intercepted the ball on the 40-yard line, and the Broncos got to the 32-yard line, including a negative three-yard running play on that particular drive, and they kicked a field goal. They scored nine points against the Baltimore Ravens. Yes, that's a great defense. You have got to be kidding me with the way that this, 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 this quarterback's playing right now. I don't even want to say his name. I'm done with Russell Wilson. I'm over it. Sorry. I'm and fired up right now. To be fair, first of all, who cares about Baker Mayfield? Like, he's on the Rams. He's with the Panthers. He's with the Browns. Like, who cares? Like, it doesn't pertain to the Broncos in any way, shape, or form. But in, in you know, to add some context to it, the offense that he's playing in the Rams is quite similar to the offense Kevin Stefanski runs with the Browns. A lot of the same concepts. Verbiage is a little bit different. To, to be fair, it's something that he's used to, something that he's worked with before. Yeah. Like, so even though he doesn't know the verbiage, he still under has a basic understanding of the com concepts of it. Um, and then real quick, I want to grab this comment from here um, from I'm the man. A couple of them. He says, this is not Russell Russell's offense or offense. It's Hackett's and says, and Hackett thought Russ could do what Aaron Rodgers can. N no, th this is Russell. 90% of this offense, the passing offense is Russell Wilson. It's concepts that he designed that he brought in that because when he was with the with the Seattle Seahawks, he wanted a large say over what the what the offense does. And every time that they would do that, the Seattle Seahawks would suck. They'd rein him in and go back to doing Pete Carroll's offense. And now we're seeing the, almost the exact same concepts. I've studied the 2021 and 2020 playbooks of the Seattle Seahawks and the um, Green Bay Packers. There is far more Seahawks stuff in here, concepts of it, than Packers. The running game is, is more Packers is more hack it's offense but the passing game 90 percent of that is russell wilson it's russell wilson wanting to be a pocket passing quarterback is he doesn't want to move out because he knows that his legs are essentially shot he doesn't want to cut the field in half because he wants to be a pocket passing quarterback he wants to sit in the pocket scan the field and be a peyton manning that is what he wants that is well known seahawks um media seahawks analysts they have talked about it for years three four years broncos media after that he was traded to it in his opening press conference, he made reference to Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, and pocket being a pocket passing quarterback. In an interview, I believe it was last offseason, he it, on um, with the radio station, he made a comment along the lines about how to prolong your career, you have to be a pocket passing quarterback. He can't do it. We have seen him consistently fail on obvious reads pre-snap of zone or man consistently. There were concerns coming out of Seattle for years about his ability to properly read a defense, which is why they would do so much of cutting the field in half. Even when they didn't move him out of the pocket, it was often a simple high-low read. You're reading one defender, and then you're making the decision, are you going deep or are you taking the short guy? Guess what? When Denver does that, they've been successful. That is what helped lead them to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Those three drives, if you go back and watch them, a good portion of the passing plays out of that, were those high-low reads. You know, that whole thing with, there was like those three big plays to Greg Dulcich. It was a high-low read the whole time with Greg Dulcich and K.J. Hamler. It's Russell Wilson's offense. It's not Hackett's. Yeah. Very, very little bit about this. And, of course, there's been other things coming out when it comes to audibles and, you know, issues with the play calls, issues with the scripts and everything like that that fall on Russell Wilson. And this is by no means a defense of Gary Kubiak as a play caller or Nathaniel Hackett as a play caller or Nathaniel Hackett as a scheme. But to, say, but to say that it is Nathaniel Hackett's offense is just completely false. It's not. It's more Russell Wilson's. Yeah. Uh, Paul jumping in here off the top rope. 
with authority here. $50 super chat. Thank you, Paul, saying great pod, my friends. Feel better fast, Lance. I'm hoping to, man. It's been two weeks and this cough is just not going away. But thank you so much, man. We appreciate all the support. Been fun to read some of your comments in here as well. And uh, we, uh, again, man, we just appreciate everything you do for us here on DVDD. It's, and it's always nice to have the Boo Iowa in there to take a shot at uh, Scott's uh, morning co-host here, uh, Nick Kendall. So it's always great to have that that fun going on in here as well. We got another super chat here. Uh, where did that go? Scott, do you have that by chance? There it is. Uh, BK jumping in here. Uh, $5 super. We appreciate that, BK. Uh, great discussions today, everyone. And thank you, BK. A great discussion. It's always a great discussion here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. Um, a couple more things I want to kind of grab oh, here. Um, real quick, was- since conversations about it, I want to grab this real quick. Let me go back up and um peter says denver ownership will get us sean payton sean payton has to want to come here like that's the thing and everything coming out of you know the nfl and everything is if the dallas cowboys move on from mccarthy sean payton's their guy and it's expected that the the chargers fire brandon staley and sean payton really wants to work with uh herbert sean payton has made some comments that look unfavorable um for him wanting to come to Denver and primarily working with the quarterback. Now, could it happen if Denver decides, Hey, we're going to just move on from Russell Wilson. Maybe, but I doubt it. Um, I think this is a bad year to want to be in on Sean Payton. If it was 2024 and they were for sure getting rid of um, Russell Wilson and they had a high pick to go and, you know, try and get Caleb Williams or one of the other Drake may or one of the other quarterbacks that's projected at being, you know, top five picks because there's like four of them for 2024 at this moment, like then maybe, but, forcing him to work with um russell wilson it's a no-go yeah uh mark knapp jumping in here uh thanks mark for joining us we appreciate it man do we want to look at his own office or his own trainers and quarterbacks coach and thank you mark for the stars donation on that um yes and no um luke patterson had an interesting opinion article about jake heaps earlier this week i don't think that's a huge deal but there's something to take into consideration on that with not equal treatment of players. Let's just put it that way. I don't want to get hot take about it, but there's some discourse in the locker room on that one. I will be rest assured on that one. Uh, I want to go back to something you said about uh, Sean Payton and with him coming here in 2024, it's not only getting rid of Russell Wilson, it's getting rid of George Payton because Sean Payton's going to want his own person. He's going to want his own general manager. And if not his own general manager, he's going to want to be in charge of the personnel there as well. So that to me is a, a big no-go here because if you look at uh, the the situations that are going to be up and available for him this year, the Dallas Cowboys is obviously the front runner for him. It has been for a long time. Uh, Jerry Jones, probably not going to give up all of the personnel decisions, but for Sean Payton, I think he's going to do that. He would allow Sean Payton to have at least a voice in the room. And then for the chargers, Tom Telesco is not on a very good footing right now, given his his coaching hires over the, the last, what, three different cycles he's been a part of this team. Um, his drafts also haven't been great, except for these last couple of years. Yeah, he hit on Justin Herbert. That was one of the easiest evaluations you could ever hit, though. Justin Herbert, was to me, was a, a number one overall pick. I'm also not Tom Telesco, but whatever. Like Tom Telesco is definitely on the hot seat there as well as Brandon Staley is. So if you can reset the entire organization there, I would rather see Sean Payton go to a team like the Chargers right now where they have a, a quality young quarterback that he can build around and is going to have the, the the personnel decision making that he needs to have in terms of creating the roster and in, in, in the way that he wants it to. So 
the Broncos getting Sean Payton this season, not going to happen. Eric, I'm totally with you. 2024, 2025, when they reset everything, sure. I mean, Sean Payton would be a great hire. By that point, I think you're going to get a better chance at Mike Tomlin. And if Mike Tomlin's let go from the Steelers this year, I'm all about that one too. There's your CEO type. Let him come in and, and write the ship here, especially with Russell Wilson, because Mike Tomlin tell him to shut the hell up. <laughs> uh, Gary Palmer comes in with a ten dollar donation, saying, "I love the patch guys. You are killing it." Thanks again, Gary. We appreciate you. Um, you're always a great supporter of all the podcasts, and Thank we, you, we can't tell you enough how much we support it. One thing I want to go back on that was touched on was the whole thing about Jake Heaps. And just real quick, this will be the only thing I say on it. A college NFL coach reached out to me afterwards after he was made aware of this. And he said, and this is his response to me. Oh my God, how is this a story? You're blaming a season on a guy who sits quietly in the back of the room. Effing hell. That is the response for it. And that's the right response for it. Um, I know I've talked about how, it, you know, Jake keeps at, at times here. Um, the impact that he's had, I was, you know, a little off on. Um, he's doing his job. Like Russ is his boss. He's doing what Russ tells him. Yes, he is allowed at the at the team facilities. Every co every quarterback in the NFL has a private coach that is allowed at facilities. Quincy Avery, Aaron Rod with Deshaun Watson and there in Houston. Um, I still think he's allowed around in the, with the Browns now. Um, I mean, uh, Aaron Rodgers, even Peyton Manning, multiple years had his own personal coach run it. It happens. Like, it's not that big of a deal. There are much other bigger issues with it. I think that the whole offense thing is a little overblown as well. Um, but there's there's plenty of issues to, with this team to talk about that the personal coach, the personal quarterback coach that's employed by the quarterback, that that's not one. Like, it, it's there's there's other issues. Like, so, well, moving on from that and the whole thing, um, so I saw somebody make a comment about Sean Payton's offense with Russell Wilson and if Russell Wilson can run it. But first, before I get to that, Kobe comes in and says, love the pod. Let's blow it up, please. Thank you, Kobe. We appreciate that. And yeah, definitely. Thanks, Let's Kobe. blow it up. Um, so so can, can I just real quickly here, because I want to go back to a point that you made about uh, Russell Wilson wanting to be like Peyton Manning, like Tom Brady, like Drew Brees. And I know this is probably where you're going to go with your uh, your Sean Payton offense with Russell Wilson and everything. Um Part of the problem with Russell Wilson is he doesn't like to target the middle of the field. And the those quarterbacks, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, they owned the middle of the field. That's what elite quarterbacks do. Like, if you're an elite quarterback, you destroy well, the middle of the field. And you take your shots when you need to. Russell Wilson doesn't target the middle of the field. And it has been a problem this season with the Broncos offense. The crossing routes, the deep mesh route, the, the, the mesh routes, the deep overs, the stuff that Russell Wilson actually should be hitting as an elite level quarterback. He's not throwing to that area of the field. And that's a problem. And if you want to run Sean Payton's offense, you have to target the middle of the field, plain and simple. Yeah, that's the biggest thing I was like that I was gonna say is Russell Wilson can run it if he is able to see over the grass to target the middle of the field. Um it, that that's the issue is the middle of the field. Um, Scott pulled up his comment that he had about if Jamie's can run it, Wilson can and not wrong. I mean, the complexity of it is a little overstated, but it's about the willingness of wanting to attack the middle of the field. And then, you know, using that to work outwards and deep. Um, 
and Russell Wilson, he lied to everybody in Broncos country talking about working, wanting to work the middle of the field this offseason multiple times. And, well, here we are. Um, his heat maps are very left and right oriented and, you know, often huge gaps in the middle. Um, but that's that's beside the point. The, the bigger issue for me with wanting to run Sean Payton's offense is that his placement. It is an offense that really thrives on, you know, consistently properly placed um, passes and timing, yep. which is why Drew Brees, even as his, as his arm started to get shot there a few years ago, he was still able to be somewhat effective until he just completely, you know, lost all ability yep. to throw the ball, basically. Yep. Um, because it was timing and placement, and that is something that Russell Wilson has consistently struggled with. Even on these, you know, quick hits that we're seeing early games on the scripts from um, from Russell Wilson and this Broncos offense, is the placement is consistently bad. I saw one that a lot of people are, you know, ripping Cortland Sutton for dropping it, but I mean, the ball was literally about three feet or about two feet behind him, and he's mm-hmm. sitting there trying to reach back for it and having to turn his and adjust his body and everything. Like, there's just there's so many issues with it that Russell Wilson can run it. Would he be effective at running it? No, I, I don't think. I don't think it would be a, be effective. I don't think that's the. Uh, I don't think there's any of offense that can really make Russell Wilson effective at this point. Um, watching him play, watching the mistakes, and this isn't to say that there aren't other issues with this Broncos offense. Um, the offensive line's bad. There's no running game. The receivers receivers are inconsistent at best. The just there's so many issues with this offense. But when I watch Russell Wilson and I focus in on him. And the issues that he has, the issues that he has with the timing plays of how long he wants to hold on to the ball, which, again, that really hurts the timing of it. And he wants to um, – and, you know, the, the the placement, the lack of the middle field, the issues to his legs, just so many issues with him. I don't know what kind of offense that you t- can run him in and have him be effective. You can't roll him out. I know I, a few weeks ago I, t- I really hyped up – do more play action rollouts. Do more bootlegs. You can't. Defenses don't respect his running ability enough to stay disciplined on the backside, and he doesn't have the legs to, you know, keep that space there from that backside defender in the first place. He doesn't have the timing enough down enough to as soon to flip his head around and get the ball out before the defender hits him. So you can't do that for him. Quick hits. He doesn't have the placement for it, and he still wants to hold the ball a little too long. Um, when and it just there's just so many issues. So. I'll pass it over to you, but I don't see how, what offense there is to put Russell Wilson in to get him to be any better. The offense that you have to run with him is something he's not willing to do, and I don't think that there's something that he's capable of doing, and that's using his legs. Like, like quite honestly, you have to get him on the move and let him create. You can't. Get out. That's what I'm saying. Like, I, I know. Don't yell at me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> damn it. Uh, there's, there's, there's somebody in here saying, uh, platform shoes for Russell Wilson. Um, that, that would help seven, five receivers. For Have him play in high heel cleats. There you go. You know, like yeah, the six I, inch, yeah. six inch stilettos. Yeah. There we go. Merry Christmas, Russ. Anyways, we're at an hour. We probably should get out of here. We're getting yeah, yelled at by in the back now. Yeah, I'm surprised that my internet, I'm surprised my voice lasted this long. Thank you all for joining us here on Dove Valley Deep Divers. I'm sorry for getting so heated and I hope that everybody enjoyed it, but thank you all for joining us. Nonetheless, we appreciate everybody for joining us here. Make sure you guys follow us on, on Twitter. Find me at Sanderson MHH uh, for Eric at Eric Trickle. Um, John Freeman, if you're still in the chat, please hit us up on Twitter. If you got a Twitter account, uh, hit us up. If not, I'll uh, check the the, Facebook, uh, the the YouTube comments. I want to talk with you. Let's let's have some fun here. 
Um, I, I believe that's your name, John Freeman, the Chiefs fan that jumped in here. Regardless, uh, follow us on Twitter, guys. Make sure you guys are following at Mile High Huddle. Also at Scout Kennedy. That's uh, our, our great producer, Scott, behind the scenes running the ones and twos. Um, folks, while you're at it, if you're financially able to do so, um, huddleuppod.com. It's a great place to get yourself a hat, a t-shirt, anything to support Mile High Huddle. We appreciate that. It's a great way to support the show and help us spread us out and whatnot. If you guys aren't financially able to do so, three things everybody should be doing at the bottom of your screen here. Like I say every single week, subscribe uh, to Mile High Huddle on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you guys get your, your podcast content. Subscribe to Mile High Huddle. Like every video and article you guys see on social media. And if you love it, please share it. It helps us out the most because you get us in front of as, uh, as many Broncos fans as possible. We can do what we do best, which is cover your Denver Broncos. Now with that, guys, I'm just going to say goodbye on this one. Eric, if you got anything else, I'll let you I'll let you go on it. But uh, I'm going to say my thing. You all stay safe and take care. Have a great rest of your weekend. And if not, guys, you all uh, we'll see you guys same time, uh, same place next week. Oh, there's a lot that I could talk about, but I mean, it would go on for another hour. So everybody have a great weekend. <laughs> Stay safe and, you know, have a good one. Thanks, guys. We'll see you later. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.